Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Entmoot, a Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and I'll be taking you on a journey to another Middle-Earth tournament throughout this podcast, as well as playing games and catching up with things like the riddles in the dark and just waxing lyrical, I suppose, about this wonderful hobby uh, with various different people, including uh, people I'm playing games against, uh, my tournament partner, um, and also so uh, the organisers of this week's tournament, Seven Stones, uh, which is happening in London. I'll be talking to the organisers, uh, Tom and uh, Damien, later on in the programme. But first, let's just get straight into it. This tournament this week is Seven Stones, and if you don't know much about Seven Stones, um, then I'd recommend having a look at the rules pack, because honestly, I can't uh, summarise this in um, in a great deal of uh, depth, because there's so many little tweaks and little rules and uh, so on that make it uh, what it is. But I'll try and summarise. The idea of Seven Stones is all about theme over filth. Uh, so it's a topic I've discussed a few times in the uh, course of these uh, four podcasts. But and um, the idea of this is to reward people who take ultra-thematic armies at the expense of of uh, of being competitive uh, in a normal tournament setting. So um, in the past, this has meant people, you know, taking incredibly thematic armies um, that, you know, really weren't going to do well. Um, so, for example, last year, um, Michael, who I'm partnering up with later, we'll hear from him later on, um, uh, we took the Ents, um, which, of course, back then were really, really awful. We ended up coming uh, second from last. Um, and the person who came last was the uh, journey of the Fellowship, basically. Uh, I believe it was Bill and the Four Hobbits and uh, Glorfindel and people like that. Oh, no, was it Glorfindel? No, it was someone else. Um, uh, anyway, that sort of thing. So uh, it was really, really poor, um, The the some of the to- uh, the armies that went in terms of a competitive uh, viewpoint. But they were all fantastically thematic, which is what it was all about. Uh, so really exciting stuff going to this tournament. Of course, that's changed a little bit this year in that a lot of the really thematic stuff, so for example, we saw things like the Fellowship of the Ring last year and uh, we saw things like um, Riders of Rohan, which, you know, uh, thematic enough, but, you know, struggled in uh, in a, a gaming sense a lot in the previous edition. Um, we'll see. Those sort of things are actually really good these days. So uh, it'll be quite interesting to see what sort of things people will be taking uh, to the tournament this weekend. Um, the, the general setup in terms of points, it's 400 points each um, for the two players, uh, combining to make an 800-point general army. Uh, And although allies are allowed, of course, the the allies matrix will be in play. Everything wants to be thematic, so that makes sense. Um, But also legendary legions won't be allowed, and their idea is that, A, um, each player must bring his force from a separate army list. Uh, As they say, the legendary legions uh, won't be in use at the event, um, uh, because they can't ally but also um, the idea behind the event is to reward you for taking thematic armies by you know them being thematic rather than giving you uh, an in-game advantage so they're, they're specifically uh, disallowed from the uh, from the event so with that in mind um, we were thinking Michael and I have obviously been talking and again I'll, uh, we'll hear from him later on in the podcast we were talking about various different forces that 
actively um, actively were not allowed um, in the sense that they're red alliances, but actually are very thematic. So um, because I know Damien and Tom, uh, who are the organisers, they, they've said specifically they will make exceptions for thematic forces. So we were thinking of things like, for example, Grishnak and some orcs, along with Ugluk and some uh, Uruks, um, which I believe um, it's not a, it's a yellow alliance at the very least, and things like that. So we were having a lot, we were chewing over the, uh, the fat and lots of these different things, um, uh, lots of ideas. Uh, I did think about a journey of the fellowship type uh, thing, which included, uh, but not limited to, um, people like um, Gildor, some elves, the Hobbits, Tom Bombadil, that sort of stuff. But uh, the points didn't work, and, and you know, I just thought that would be a really annoying army uh, to take. So uh, we decided in the end for something simple. And um, the reason we decided this was partially because of the opportunities it afforded us in terms of costume. Because the event is is really uh, not just, as I say, about the games. It's about the theme and the, the narratives around people's armies and the, the reasons you do things and uh, the sort of extra fun mini-games that we had. So, for example, last year, uh, the Clubley brothers who uh, went along to the tournament, they were both dressed in bird outfits. There was a big bird from Sesame Street and an eagle. Uh, and they both took eagle armies. Um, what else? There was um, a, a couple of guys, uh, David Whitaker and uh, Steve Keen, I think it was, who uh, who basically made their own fantasy fellowship in which one of them was dressed as Bjorn and uh, he changed into a bear outfit every time uh, Bjorn turned into a bear. So stuff like that. It had great opportunity for uh, costumes. And although we haven't been quite as clever as that, we've certainly tried our best to do something a bit fun and take at least take part in costumes because last year we didn't. So this year we've gone with an army that allows that. So without much further ado, this is our army or our two uh, forces uh, so the first force we haven't decided who'll be taking in charge of uh, which one but I'm sure we'll uh, uh, we'll split them up in uh, over the course of the weekend so we start with the witch king of Angmar with a horse two points of might three points of will three points of fate and one morgul blade yeah, that's a good start. So uh, exciting. But obviously you can tell already from that that it's not perhaps the best uh, Witch King you could have asked for. But uh, let me expand on that with the next part of the list. So we're going to have another plain ring wraith. Uh, this is a ring wraith with a horse, two points of might, three points of will, and two points of fate for 100 points. Then another ring wraith, which has a horse, one point of might, three points of will, then another ring wraith, which has a horse, one point of might, three points of will. See what we're getting here. Uh, then we've got a ring wraith with a horse, a one point of might, two points of will. See, see where I'm going here. And then another with uh, one point of might, two points of will, then another, and actually oh, I won't bother skipping out the rest. The Fill out the nine riders there with some more ring wraiths, all with a horse, a point of might, and two points of will. So, in total, we've got 
the nine, the nine, basically the nine uh, ring rates on horses, uh, with a view to being that thematic moment just before they reach the Ford of Bruinen, of course, in the Fellowship of the Ring. Really, really great moment. One of my favourite moments of the films as well. So really excited about taking this army. So obviously we've got a couple of um, uh, ring rays there with a bit of extra will um, earlier on. So we've got some ring rays that have got two, uh, three points of will extra. Um, and one ring wraith that has two points of might rather than one and two points of fate. So I've kind of got a captain ring wraith there. And also, um, of, of course, we've got the Witch King who has the Morgul Blade because, of course, he has the Morgul Well, does he have the Morgul Blade? I suppose he might have stabbed Frodo. He might have some spare Morgul Blades. Anyway, I may have uh, uh, messed that up a bit. But um, we definitely have nine um, riders um, riding around, the nine of the Black Riders. So really excited about that. Uh, this is an army and the potential for lots of ridiculous moments and lots of fun to be had uh, with this army. With a view to keeping the episodes consistent, I'm going to analyse this list in the same way that I would analyse usual lists. Um, but I'll be honest, we're not going for uh, a chance at winning this tournament. I think we'll we'll try and play uh, competitively to an, ex- to an extent, but because we don't want to just roll over and let everyone win otherwise that's no fun for anyone so uh, but we're gonna we, we we're gonna face facts that let's be honest the nine ring rate isn't a very competitive list there's a lot of magic there so that's great so we've got a good start there so we've got a lot of ability to control uh, the opponents and certainly uh, black dark heroes and things like that which could be a lot of fun but of course the main thing is as soon as we get into combat we're wilting away and just dying so so quickly um uh, i i I don't know how this is going to work, but I guess the only way I can we can really feasibly win at any um, in any kind of fight is by doing heroic combats and just trying our best to kill as many people in those first charges. That's why I've given everyone a point of might, and um, so that we can all uh, uh, you know they can capitalise on those charges, uh, hopefully, and actually kill some people because um, you only lose one point of will per turn um, uh, in combat. So if we get maybe a, a couple of um, string, I can't remember what they call them, lots of, uh, I know the Green Dragon podcast will have a name for this, but uh, when you use uh, lots of different people to heroic combat into each other to then double up the amount of attacks you get and uh, keep moving on and things like that. So a string of heroic combats, potentially. That's the only strategy I can really think of. Um, in terms of what we're going to suffer against, I would say almost everything. Um, I'm trying to think of things that we will manage to uh, defeat easily. Uh, maybe we'd have a chance at something like, oh, I mean, Thorin's company? No, probably not, because we haven't got anything that could kill Thorin or anyone like that. The Fellowship, maybe. I mean, we'll get do all right in some objective-based games, I suppose. Um, and we've got a lot of magic, so maybe against something like elves? Or I'm, I'm really clutching at straws here. I don't know. Uh, we might be able to uh, beat a Wood Elf army or something like that with potential. But... Not if it's Lothlorien, actually, because they've got resistance. But anyway, uh, as you can see, I'm really clutching at straws here in terms of trying to think of a way that we could win. But that, again, the point of this tournament isn't about ultra-competitive armies. It's about taking an army that's really thematic. And to be honest, I've put a lot more effort into uh, my display board for the army than I have have uh, into the list. Um, Michael has put an awful lot of effort into uh, sourcing our costumes and doing all those sorts of things. Um, I've been left with the modelling side of things because yeah, he's got... Uh, 
he travels all around the uh, country doing things uh, for work. So um, I've been painting the nine. Um, I've also been painting a, a huge display board, uh, which I've taken months to build, which is uh, uh, the the Ford of Bruin in itself. Uh, I've painted up Arwen for one side of the bank um, with the Frodo model, of course, Arwen and Frodo, um, and used water effects for the river and things like that. So I've, I've put a lot of effort in, and it's all about the hobby for me. The build-up to this tournament has been absolutely delightful. I just hope that being absolutely smashed in every single game um, isn't going to be too demoralising, but I'm sure it will be absolutely fantastic. So really excited about this. There's also a conference day. Uh, on the Saturday um, and then the Sunday and Monday we've got the tournament because it's been called the weekend so uh, really really excited about all of this competitive wise I don't think I'm, I, I just can't even think of anything that's uh, I'm going to win against but maybe we'll get some wins over the weekend because everyone else will bringing, be bringing just as fluffy armies so with that in mind, I'm going to go off and get all my stuff packed up. Um, but first, I, I must say, it's incredibly difficult to fit a display board with trees and a river on it into a car. I'm going to have to strap that in somehow and uh, be super careful. I really don't want to break it on the way in. Uh, but first... Riddles in the dark. I'm precious. Yes, so this is the regular game where I play a clip from the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit films and you tell me who speaks next and what they say. Sounds simple? Well, perhaps not. This was last week's clip. And to all of you who got in touch, thank you very much. Uh, whether about this or other matters, um, a quick diversion. Um, Barbara Kelly, uh, you got in touch because you were given a mummock for your 71st birthday. Um, uh, she's found some of my videos online uh, I, on my Battle Games in Middle-Earth uh, video YouTube channel uh, and is now hooked on Toy Soldiers because she loves Lord of the Rings. Um, I just think that's that's amazing. Um, I just guess it just shows you're never too young to start a new hobby. Uh, so thank you for getting in touch, uh, Barbara. Um, and But also, most of you were getting in touch about the riddle in the dark, including Lockie from Zorpa Zorp Gaming, who correctly guessed the previous riddle uh, before the episode, uh, last episode was online, but after I'd recorded it, so he didn't get a shout out last time. So uh, let's just quickly give you an idea who got it right. Um, so Nathaniel Van Til, you got it right. Dan Broxome, uh, you say give us a curveball next time um, uh, because, uh, you, but you did get it right. Uh, but yeah, we'll try and make this week's harder. Uh, well, we'll see what. Uh, see, so you best get in touch and tell me uh, if it's too hard or too easy this time. Uh, Tom Hawker, you got it right. Well done, you. Uh, I think you're going seven stones. Maybe not actually. Um, uh, but either way, I'll see you soon at another tournament. And also, well done to Matthew Davies uh, too, who also got it right. And of course. This was the answer. Fool of a took. Throw yourself in next time and rid us of your stupidity. Of course it was. It was fool of a took. Fool of a took. Uh, throw yourself in next time and be rid of your stupidity. Which is absolutely fantastic. A great moment. I tried to make it difficult because although you hear the uh, book slamming there, uh, the Gandalf's reading, a few people had gone in touch with different guesses, uh, including Jack. Uh, Jack Brennan, you said it was Treebeard, which is what I hoped people would think because of the kind of crunchy sound. Sounds a bit like Treebeard, and you can hear Boromir breathing as well, um, which thought sounded a little bit like Treebeard. So uh, I, I, I correctly uh, tricked you in that. But thanks for getting in touch, Jack. I really appreciate it. Um, have another crack uh, next time. 
In fact, let's have a crack at this one. This is this episode's Riddle in the Dark. I know it's hard the first time you hear it. Let's have one more go at it. Let's have a listen again. And one more time. So who speaks next and what do they say? Get in touch at entmootpodcast at gmail.com. That's entmootpodcast at gmail.com. All uh, all one word, no underscores or anything like that. Uh, if you think you know the next line from the films and who says it, that's the crucial bit. Of course, we need both um, if you want to get it correct. Uh, but well done to everyone who got Gandalf and full of a toque this time. Uh, and now, I suppose, also, why don't you... Uh, what, while you're getting in touch uh, on that, do uh, send me any comments and ideas you might have for the podcast. Uh, any feedback is always really appreciated. But now, back to the tournament and getting my board in the car before heading to London. This is going to be fun. Here, Mr. Robo, where are you off to? Stop, I'm already late. Late for what? Going on an adventure! Seeing as how it's a doubles tournament, I think I need to introduce my partner in crime for the weekend, Michael Haskell. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Well, so first of all, um, we've I've already discussed the list and the army list, but uh, uh, and the the army we're taking a bit bit about the tournament. But this is a special tournament because. There's a lot of fancy dress and, and theme generally going into it, and you've been preparing, beavering away on the fancy dress side of things. Indeed. So because we're taking the Nazgul, that's the obvious thing to dress up as. So scouring the likes of Amazon, <laughs> putting together cloaks, and trying to find some way of blackening the face, as it were. And we found some hobby horses, because we're going as an all-mounted Nazgul force. <laughs> of so it's putting together all the pieces to hopefully... A memory for everyone. Well, that's it, and, and I've already had a sneak peek at some of the other costumes. There's people in pirate outfits. Somebody has a lobster, I think. A shrimp. Well, we think it's a shrimp. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so there's loads of different things going on. And uh, last year we saw things like people dressed as eagles, and and so it, I guess that adds to the adds to the fun of this tournament. It does. Yes. I mean, last year we had some chat dressed as Bjorn, and every time he 
changed from man to bear, he put the costume on. So yeah, he yeah, changed his costume yeah. during the game, didn't he? And it was a very hot weekend. But you know, it's, it's just great, and that's what adds. That's what makes Seven Stones such a special tournament. That it's it's fun, it's fluffy. There's there's, there's fancy dress, and it's just a great time. And the in terms of the games, I mean, I've, I've already spoken about the kind of the small chance we have of winning in any of these <laughs> games. I've been trying to think, I've racked my brain at, for an army that we might come up against that might actually be possible to beat. Can you think of anything? I would have to think long and hard and probably came to the same conclusion as you that I think it might be difficult, slim, for us to pull off a victory. But we'll we'll see. We'll have a bash at it anyway. Right, so let's get uh, rummage around in the outfits. We'll be chatting uh, after each game with uh, Michael, of course, and also whoever we play against. So, uh, But first, I think we need to rummage around the bags and get this outfit on. So game number one was Recon, and uh, of course we had the nine, uh, the ringwraiths, and uh, James and Alex were the opponents. Just give us an idea of what your list was and what you're dressed as. Uh, so the idea was, uh, well, the list is Bjorn and Radagast and the Eagles, uh, but we want to get something a little bit like sort of off the, off the cuff kind of uh, dress up, I guess. Uh, so I'm going as Winnie the Pooh, which is also a bear, uh, and uh, James is one of my, uh, my bee friends. Your, your bee friend. Yes, yes. Um, obviously, Bayon, well known in the background for his huge hives of bees. And even though I am very small for a bee, I'm quite large. So that works really well. And in terms of the game, uh, obviously, when when you saw the ring wraiths, were you were you really frightened, uh, or pretty sure that you were going to be victory victorious? Um, I think from from a gameplay perspective, I think with recon, um, mobility is probably one of the biggest things. Um, so we had the, the extra inch movement on you guys, and I think that was what gave us a bit of the edge in mm. terms of mobility. Uh, uh, I think the biggest problem that we had was uh, the casting. Mm. Um, it really, really kind of holds us up, especially when we've only got one dice to resist, although that is quite a big help as well. Mm. Um, but, you know, we're, we're bears, we're eagles, you know. <laughs> what more can be said, I suppose? Absolutely. And, uh, Michael, we, we had a very little hope really going into this did you think we had a chance of winning but there's always a chance there's always the possibility that the dice gods will shine down on you kindly but not today no not today and but james in terms of um the 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 theme and and so on that this tournament is a bit different it's not ultra competitive you know we're here in black gowns and you're here in bees and things like that are are you really bothered about winning any games here or is it all just about fun today i think really like seven stones it's such a different event to everything else that you see on the calendar in that yeah it's so much more about having fun coming up dressing up, um, standing in the sweltering sunshine in Twickenham, uh, (laughs) dressed up in kind of thick costumes and black robes. You guys must be absolutely sweltering. Yes, we are, yeah. Um, So, (laughs) um, ultimately, I think what's important about this, like I say, is just just having a good laugh. And I think think that our game was absolutely fantastic. It was just a, a... proper good laugh really good fun there, yeah. um, and I was I've got to echo Alex's words I was really terrified going into that game that we were just going to get black darted into the ground um, we got quite lucky with a few of our resist rolls Radagast's Master of Birds giving the resistance to magic that was really good um, but yeah hot rolling sixes when you guys are throwing black darts at us really helps as well yeah we, we really struggled I mean we had an idea well if we can we managed to pin down two eagles early on with about uh, six of the ring raids um, and you know managed to take a couple of wounds off with black darts and but then it wasn't enough and you know once they all just the swooped in it was it was a kind of game over really wasn't it after after a few unlucky rolls uh, from resisting and stuff like that but but it was great fun as you say and the, the, what i love about um seven stones is we've both come with unusual lists you know you don't ever see the nine on the table um and i guess you never really get to play against something like the nine which again i guess adds to the the enjoyment of the event playing against a new army yeah absolutely
absolutely. Um, yeah, from a competitive meta level, you, you know, you get a, a generally a large model count as well, and especially something like the Eagles against the Ring Race. It's definitely not something that you see. Mm. We weren't expecting ever to have more models than anyone, but <laughs> at this time we did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It almost feels like an all-hero list, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eagles, Eagles, Bears and Bees. Yeah, well, that's... brilliant. It was a great first game, and what a great start to the tournament. Thanks, guys. So game number two, capture and control, and we were facing Laura and Dan uh, with our nine ringwraiths again, sadly. Uh, and uh, just Laura and Dan, first, could you just explain your army and also what you've come dressed as? Um, so we are Thorin uh, and his company in the woods with Tariel and uh, Legolas and some elvy folk. And you've got a beard. I do have a beard, yes. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm Tariel. And you're Tariel. <laughs> and I'm well. Tariel. With, with lovely, uh, resplendent armour and lovely uh, brown boots and everything. Like, it, sadly yeah. lacking the red hair, um, <laughs> as the uh, my beautiful wig was forgotten today. Uh, well, that, that's um, for tomorrow. We will be in full splendour. Oh, have no oh delightful. And and I suppose, first of all, the, the fact that we're, we're all dressed in black cloaks and, you're, and silly outfits, uh, is that the main selling point for Seven Stones, the theme and everything for you guys? Absolutely, because I can't play properly. So <laughs> <laughs> it helps to have a fun factor as well. For sure. I think for me, it's a, it's a op- uh, tournament where I get to take my my competitive hat off and put something a bit more fun on and as you can see from the outfit and uh, sort of enjoy the hobby side of things a bit more it's the only tournament I tend to really go to town on painting an army and building a display board for so it's it's the one tournament a year that I really sort of pull all the stops out for and when we saw uh, Thorin's company Michael uh, over the table and the Rangers we had a plan we thought we might have a chance here what, what was our plan? So after game one where we're getting used to what the Nazgul can do and the spells got available we thought well, we'll try and get a couple of control markers on our side and then swing around the right flank and try and home in on those squishy elves with not much armour except we got a little bit bogged down and then the heroes came whooping in and rather made a bit of a mess of us. Yes, uh, once again, it was a, a zero VPs to us, um, and you got 12. And did you, when you saw the, the ring race, did you have a particular plan in mind, or was it just, let's just go for it? We had a loose plan. Yeah, we had a, a loose Ooh. plan of, um, we knew that if we could either drop some of the horses so that it forced your race to play clump together around the, the infantry, the infantry wraiths, we knew that we would eventually be able to catch up and sort of bog you down. Um, but other than get ring wraiths off horses, we didn't have much of a plan coming into the game at all, to the point where we even forgot to tag our home objective on turn one. <laughs> yeah. So Not exactly a great start if you're thinking competitively. But um, also, uh, we, we had a plan um, of, of making sure that Thorin and other Legolas and Tariot were, were kind of kept out by uh, draining their courage. And Thorin ended up being courage one. And... Um, mm. You didn't resist those. Was that a, was that a game plan? What was the idea behind that? So I was sort of explaining to Laura. The logic was it was you were rolling fives and sixes for the the one dice cast, so it's going to be pretty hard for us to resist. And it would be probably better to save the will to use later on to pass a really vital courage test to make sure we got the charge off. So it made sense for rather than keeping Thorin charging every turn, we knew that we could rely on the Mirkwood Elves' high base courage and Dwalin being fearless and Tariel who'd been untouched for up to that point we knew that we could sort of rely on those other heroes and the base courage of the elves to sort of get us stuck in and we could save thorin for the big turn where we percent with dan's plan yeah you you agreed with (laughs) it this was i i I heard actually that you were the brains behind the operation i mean yeah he gets to take some of the credit for this one but um yeah 
I like to uh, I like to agree with things that make sense. And, and it must be noticed that even with sewing down to one courage, there are a couple of turns at the end where he did pass those oh, courage tests and went steaming in. in yeah. So, it, but it, I think we'll both, we'll all agree that um, despite the you know the, the Nazgul all going down, it was it was a great fun match with again lots of black darts and lots of instilling fear or not instilling fear, draining courage and and it just. What I love about having brought the the nine is that a you don't see the nine over the table ever, ever. because they're this bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's great that we can have a tournament where we're dressed in black cloaks and it's sweating a lot and, and enjoying ourselves because it's a something oh, really thematic. Special guest appearances, didn't we? Yes. yes. yes oh we yes. Did. Um, so over the course of the game, there were some very crucial roles for uh, Tariel, and in a situation, a spot like that, sometimes you can't rely on your own ability to roll dice. You have to call in reinforcements. So. Um, Fanboy extraordinaire. Fanboy extraordinaire. <laughs> Famous Tariel fancier Mr. Damien O'Byrne himself came over and rolled some combats for us. Um, spent some might points without consulting yeah. us yeah. at all. And just, uh, well, we had to go with it. He was using the model, so we to couldn't be, say no. To be fair, he, he did take down a couple of ring wraiths. He did, because he did of it, take so down two ring wraiths, yeah, yeah. in fairness. So, so, I mean, we can't we can't be too too upset. But it was, uh, it was, it was when he just said, oh, I'm spending the might. Oh, OK, are we? <laughs> OK, good. <laughs> but it, uh, what, I, what I love about this, this exchange is that, you know, no other tournament... I've ever been to would it even be slightly allowed that a we'd bring someone else in to roll some dice but b it'd be the tournament organizer who's doing exactly, it so, exactly exactly so it, what, what it's fantastic and a fantastic game so thanks for talking to Anytime. us and chatting about it. Yeah, cheers so game number three fog of war against ewan and neil and uh first of all against our nazgul our nine uh first of all uh, just give us an idea of your army list and what you've brought to the tournament today so I brought Eastlings with Amdur, and he had a captain and some just cataract and some guys. And some black dragons as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I uh, took uh, Gurrit, uh, the Witch King, and like 20 Moranans. And just that the first couple of turns were quite an interesting couple of turns, uh, Michael, because um, we, we, we had a decided we're going to kill some heroes. We have indeed, yeah. So there were the three objectives that we had in terms of the heroes and the, the, the things we needed to, to secure in terms yeah, so of... so protecting and killing and capturing yeah, an objective, yeah. yeah. So we decided we'd go for the hero as being something we could get victory points on. So it was a question of working out, because of the way the terrain was, we had Weathertop right in the middle. So we had Neil and Ewan's forces coming either side of that. So we had to work out where our hero that we wanted to try and take down was, and then try and sort of go that way and just try and aim the black dart at him. But before we did that... We went for their big man. They had a, they had the Witch King as well, so we had a, a succession of black darts, one after the other. I mean, finally, we took him down. Seven, seven. seven black darts in the end. And, you know, when, when that first happened, were, were you, did it sort of go, were you, or were you thinking, great, OK, you're going for we a hero actually, that's... We weren't actually that bad with it, really, because we were like, oh, you're focusing just on the Witch King. We're it not on most of us. Yeah, it could have been the captain or Gurritz, couldn't yeah. it? And ultimately, because we weren't going to get any points for this, but we realised in the first turn that you were you were sending some darts our way, and we were worried about losing our will, resisting and protecting ourselves. Yeah, because you could have easily sniped the one that you were after with with him, which is what worried worried us. Yeah, I think we would have struggled to get him there in the first place. To be honest, yeah, we knew he's going to be a, one of the one of ours is going to be the big target. And I, we're think, just I think in retrospect, which goes. maybe we should have hit him and wait for the troops to come together. But then we've got no might near our front lines. It was it was difficult because of course we had to protect. All three of our heroes, just in case. <laughs> and and you did, you, to be fair, you did a really good job of, of hiding Gurritz, who was the one you were protecting. Yeah, yeah. But then um, 
you you, we slipped st- you, up, start, we? you started hiding the Eastling captain, but it was, for a couple of turns it was going to be really difficult. But then you moved him a little bit into the terrain, which meant we could compel him out just, and yeah, and yeah. just get all. all uh, and it was another barrage was of the uh, things. Show on that. Yeah, and which ultimately it made like, allowed us to win the game nine six after quite a lot of turns of m- yeah. s- sort of spilling around I the place. There was that really close moment. There was um, there was the ring race were trying to break out. Um, and we've got Amder and about four dudes on just one ring wraith. Uh, we heroic combat and we just failed to wound him, even with Amder two-handed as well. And it was really unlucky. He really. would have killed him, got the might back, and then the one we were going for, which was six, which ended up being the guys one you guys were protecting as well. So which yeah, was uh, that, 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 that was, was the key moment because we were, we were in boxing as I said earlier that Neil and you sort of got their forces on the side of the top they were boxing us in and we were able to make that <laughs> one breakthrough on the left and the dice were happy on us sort of, the dice gods were kind to us and we just got through and that, that was a key moment I think it, it was but I mean g- generally away from the kind of the, the, the nitty gritty of this actually quite tense really interesting yeah, um, and kind of really tactically uh, interesting match what, what I love about this tournament uh, you know we're in our cloaks and stuff but, um, <laughs> but you know the, the the fact that this this you, you probably have never played an army uh, like the nine Nazgul because no, it's no, so no. rare. It's good. It's good. I really enjoyed the game. So, it's super and we were all crapping ourselves halfway through the game. We were looking at each other, just like, what do we actually do here? <laughs> we generally thought we like we had like a good chance when we had Amder just about to hurry up come like if we got a chance I was even not even going to two game it, 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 it really could term. but what I, what I love about the, the, the fact that this is a thematic tournament is that we've been able to bring an army that isn't considered competitive but it makes for these decisions these loads well, right, hundreds so. of decisions in that yeah. game that could have like you say gone either way and you know, if we hadn't gone for the witch queen it might have meant you could have sniped him earlier and things maybe, like that so there's yeah. loads of things going on but uh, I don't uh, think we even considered that which no. was actually <laughs> yeah, maybe so. a mistake on our part that's what we were thinking oh if you blacked out uh, the one that we're at because we've no idea which one you're going to go for so we thought straight away you, the first one you black darted I thought oh it's going to be that guy we need to protect him so and move him back so, that's what we were trying to sort of we were trying to make sure yeah a little bit of that and then actually it turned out your six was so safe and we were I, I think we were looking at him and we were like he's between four of the Nazgul's on the edge of the board and we were like how are we going to get him I was I thought it was three I, I forgot it was six and I thought it was three <laughs> and I was like oh my god we got the three yes yes <laughs> but it was, a, it was a really really great game and um, I, thanks very much guys for, for playing with him and talking to me afterwards yeah, thanks thank you very much yeah, appreciate yeah. that cheers And with that, day number one came to a uh, close, or at least the tournament side of day number one, because there was a a, a sort of, I guess, a kind of a wind-down game, uh, which is the Arena of Champions. And this is a a lovely idea that uh, the TOs, Tom and Damien, came up with, um, basically to just wind down at the end of the game. Um, uh, Because obviously after three potentially competitive games, uh, sometimes you're a bit sort of stressed, and uh, uh, maybe especially if you've had a a tough matchup. course in this tournament that's not as likely but either way it's nice to have a little bit of a not not really an icebreaker but a, a similar thing so all of the uh, the games that um, all of the players we played against in the first day uh, take part in an arena of champions which is a battle royale so in each army uh, you have to take two heroes um, that are allowed to enter the arena and uh, up to a value of 100 points and for every five points you're short uh, you get a, a three point of might will or fate so 
also, uh, of course, cycling through. So if you're 70 points, uh, you get one point of might, one point of will, one point of fate, uh, uh, two twice. So you get an extra two of each. Uh, so uh, really interesting idea uh, and potentially a lot of fun because you get surreal situations where Bill the pony has loads of might or or various different other things like that. So what a great idea. Love, I love that. Uh, we had loads of a laugh and we have a bit of a... Uh, there's a gambling's gambling uh, going on as well where people put a, a bet on who they think out of everyone in the tournament will win. Uh, and this time it went once again apparently to Gimli because dwarves in their high defence certainly do well in this circumstance. So uh, that was a lovely, uh, lovely thing to end the day on nice little game to um, play with all the people we played our games with in the day which was fab um, and then after that it's over to the the, the pub for a, a Trixie Twickenham quiz of course it's all set in Twickenham in London so uh, that was that was brilliant uh, a buffet and all that sort of stuff um, the quiz was I must say the, probably the hardest quiz I've ever been uh, been to um, which of course I suppose uh, when you've got dozens and dozens of Lord of the Rings and uh, Hobbit and Middle Earth fans generally in a room uh, it's quite hard to outfox everyone um, with the, uh, a Lord of the Rings quiz but my god did Damien uh, manage that exceedingly well so uh, great quiz there that was brilliant um, and also uh, awards were issued because on day one um, basically the TOs come around the uh, the hall and uh, give everyone a bit of a look over and a dressing down and seeing what armies they've got what boards they've brought and uh, if they're dressed up and how they're playing their games in a, uh, a thematic way, for example. Because, f- for instance, one army, uh, while we're talking about it, uh, one army, uh, I think it was Larry and Tom, who'd who'd come with a, 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 a kind of a, it's Dane and the Iron Hills with uh, the Champions of Erebor, which sounds like a good list, but the way they played it was very poor because what they did was they waited. They had the Champions of Erebor hanging around inside of... Um, inside of uh, the the, the Erebor until the first dwarves started dying uh, in the Iron Hills line so and then they'd start walking out uh, and join the fray so apparently most of the time these guys didn't uh, actually succeed in terms of uh, making making any headway with the Champions of Erebor so things like that uh, lovely thematic ways of playing but all of these types of things were rewarded um, exactly as I've been mentioning a load of times so, so far in the podcast all about theme this tournament um, so Damien and Tom uh, gave us rewards for uh, having sacrificing competitiveness by uh, giving us a little bit of a boost in our games to make it a little bit less uh, destructive so lots of teams were given a stone uh, one of the seven stones so we got the Arnor stone because uh, our army was so poor and we'd put a bit of effort into our fancy dress and uh, the display board so the Arnor stone uh, gave a special bonus to the leader of our army which gave them a free heroic move um, on a well, on a four plus, a free heroic move uh, before all the heroic actions were uh, were done. So, uh, so this was a great, uh, great thing for us. We were pretty chuffed to be among the the seven um, uh, thematic armies, Michael and I. So we're really happy to get that, uh, especially a little in-game bonus, especially for the Witch King, um, who you know we, we wanted to save his might really for strikes and things like that. So, um, and once the rest of the ring raids, although they all had might, once the rest of the ring raids started dying, suddenly uh, you were left with not very much uh, might in a in order to call that move to to get the uh, the get the magic cast and things like that so that was uh, the the uh, fantastic uh, de- end of day one day number two on its way 
and um, rather than talking to the tournament organisers in the usual way, um, it just so happened we drew the ringers um, for the uh, first game of day number two. So I sort of combined the interview I usually do about tournaments and uh, what goes on uh, in somebody's tournament uh, with the battle rep breakdown for uh, game number four. So let's get to the tables and uh, have a chat with Damien and Tom, the organisers of Seven Stone. So round four, and we play Divide and Conquer, and of course our Nazgul, the Nine, against possibly the most thematic army we could possibly come up against, uh, the, the Ringer army, which was the Fellowship of the Ring. Damien, um, first of all, did you enjoy the game? I had a brilliant time, it was absolutely great. Can't ask for a more thematic game. Fellowship of the Ringer, <laughs> if you will. Excellent, excellent. Um, and, and this, uh, this exact, exact uh, matchup is exactly what the Seven Stones tournament is all about, I suppose, because you know we're here in our cloaks, sweltering in the heat, and um, playing the Ring Raids against the Fellowship of the Ring. It's kind of the whole ethos of, of your tournament that you've arranged. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the Ringer army here is the Fellowship of the Ring because it's, it's fairly easy and fairly obvious, but then when you have people like yourself coming along with the nine ring race on horse it's just absolutely dreadful um, it's a sort of dream matchup to play isn't it and kind of recreate and not really recreate any scenario because the Fellowship of the Ring are formed after the Nazgul get washed away but it sort of feels like you're recreating it yeah it feels like a proper um, movie moment or book moment which is fantastic and and just a bit more about the um, about the tournament generally because uh, it's it's something that, that clearly you you too t- Tom as well is it, who's here and um, <laughs> you <laughs> The waving isn't, doesn't be picked Tom's up on the radio, by the way, Tom. But um, no, the, it, this is something that you seem to have arranged purely kind of this is the tournament you would want to play. Is that about right? Yeah, I think so. It's quite hard to remember about five years ago, but there was I think the scene was very, very competitive at the time and there was nothing like this. I think there's a few more events like this now. And um, the idea was just to create an event where you, you wouldn't try and win. That, that was the really fundamental thing, I think, wasn't it? That you would come along with an army you really wanted and it, it didn't matter what happened and we, we always kind of jokingly say that if you win this tournament you've done it wrong yeah. like if you manage to win seven games you've kind of done it wrong <laughs> um, so that's the kind of ethos and we're far more interested in things like the most sporting award and the best theme award for which you're nominated of course Ooh, exciting yes exciting we even got a special rule and uh, Tom I'll talk to you a little bit about the the ins and outs of because it's quite a complicated tournament to uh, for a newbie to, to play in yeah so spreadsheet Tom uh, how, how, how does the actual title tables and the cup and everything how does it all work yeah it's it's a cool format we try and do it like a world cup so you have a group stage on day one so ideally we'd have uh, multiples of fours so that you can easily get four teams in a group this year that didn't happen so we had to have a group of six and had to be a bit creative so then we then on the second day do knockout tournaments so we have a cup a plate a mug and a spoon Um, So the cup, plate and mug are all eight teams, so they play knockout format over three games, quarterfinal, semi-final, final, to win their part um, of the tournament. And then the spoon this year only has six uh, teams in it, so we're doing a kind of group of six where you only get three games in and then the, the tables decide like that so it's, it's, it's massively complicated I, I don't understand what group I'm in or how, how it's all worked <laughs> but it, 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 what it makes for is this, this idea of everyone having a chance of winning something depending on the level of playing them at I guess that's the idea yeah everyone has a chance and everyone goes into day two knowing that if they win their games they can win a prize and um, yeah we, we try our best to have as many prizes as possible at the event so lots of people at the event go away thinking they've won something rather than it just being the team that steamrollers everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. And, and go on, sorry. Sorry, the format was also designed to further the, um, 
the ethos of the tournament because the idea was if you took a really competitive army and you got drawn in the same group as someone else with a really competitive army, only one of you could win. So it's that sort of thing that you might not get out. And then the knockout thing was that you couldn't come back. We didn't want that. You know that idea sometimes at tournaments, if you have seven games, you win six, lose one, but you're av- you average out. We wanted it more to be that you couldn't you couldn't make that mistake. So there were two there were two ways there that we were trying to again convince people that even if you try and win this, you're it's going to be really hard because of the nature of the tournament. And and in terms of you, we, we mentioned that we're in the cloaks and the the you know the thematic army, the crap army that we brought and. Other people around the room, but there's someone dressed as a lobster over there. It's a and shrimp. It's a shrimp. Okay, apologies. He's dressed as a shrimp. And we've got a pirate somewhere, and we've got people dressed as bears and uh, Winnie the Pooh and bears and bees and things like that. Balrog. And a balrog and a watcher in the waterway who's taking tentacles off every time he gets a wound, which is fantastic. And that, that is rewarded specifically in game two with a bonus as well. On day two, yeah, day yeah, two, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, potentially not just dressing like an idiot, but if you get into the if you get into the spirit <laughs> of it, yeah. as you have, yes. um, you. then Thank we, yeah, we pick our the seven teams that we think have most entered into the spirit of the event, and that that can mean the type of army they picked, the the army list. Uh, some of the guys, Sam and James, have got like wanted posters for Thorin because they're doing Azog and Bolg, and they've pinned them up around the venue. Like that's awesome. Uh, display boards, conversions, um, anything like that, the whole package, and you. You guys have done it. You're, you've taken a suboptimal army. You've got a display board, and you're dressed like ring race. That's that's what we want to do. And that's so. J- it's not just the fan- just wearing fancy dress won't get you the the bonus, but um, most people tend to wear a fancy dress theme towards their army mm. now. And and we get yeah we get like a little uh, we've because we've got this free heroic move thing on the second. Uh, the, and yeah, we're in that game that we just played. We got uh, I think five in a row on this four plus. You get a free heroic move, and and I guess that's just the idea of that. You know, you, you you're getting some kind of bonus because we we did lose really badly in most games yesterday. So it's nice to have that little extra. Yeah, and we don't really care who wins, so we we don't really mind if we're imbalancing stuff. And we kind of whenever we're making a referee decision, it's always just. Or whatever feels best, and some some teams may have even not the right n- number of points here, or you know they, their armies are legal in some way, but because it's themey, we allow it. So it's, it's it, we try to be different to other tournaments like that. It's definitely not competitive. Definitely not. And and th- this this last game that we just played, Michael um, against against Damien in the Fellowship. I mean, it, it showed that that we just we just had fun with it rather than you know trying to do anything desperate you know ch- get, chanting Morgul Blade to kill Aragorn and things like that it's great fun yeah I mean there was a, the scenario that had the objections and so on but we just sat down with Damien at the beginning of the game and just said let's do something a little bit different because of the theme because of the two armies involved coming together and it was also great in terms of finding new rules remembering rules that you've sort of forgotten about as it were so Damien came up with the protection of the Valar that Gandalf calls which called, called. Sorry? I've never cast it before yeah, exactly. and, and, and it just meant that our, our, our Nazgul couldn't do their spells as it were yeah. so, so that that's sort of limited a little bit but it was just a lovely themey way at the end we had the, the, the hobbits going out the, the Nazgul the few that were left by that point in time having a go until finally we got to the denouement with Frodo against the Witch King Frodo down to one wound no fate no might the Witch King with one will left all down to that one combat and the Witch King managed to win and fell Frodo just as he popped into thin air, and it just made it. What, what a way to what a way to end the game! And Damien, Tom, thanks for a fantastic tournament, and uh, well, best of luck with the ringing, uh, ringers and organising all the prizes. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, because we've already talked to Damien and Tom, the tournament organisers, 
in the conjunction with the uh, fourth game, I thought I'd take you on a tour around the Seven Stones tournament because, as we've been talking about uh, throughout the episode, it's all about theme, army boards and display boards and things like that. So I thought I'd take you on a tour of some of the different armies that are here, including an unarmed army, which is a delightful, delightfully uncompetitive army, including um, all the heroes that you can think uh, fit in who are unarmed, including your uh, Alfreds and your Lobelias and your uh, Masters of the Lake Town and Curdan and so on uh, and Bill the Pony of course so a great idea for an army there uh, silliness absolute silliness and apparently doing very poorly but that's just fantastic next to them they've got we've got some Rananorks and some Easterlings all with lovely larvary bases which is a delight to see uh, if I head over here we've got Double Dragon a uh, bit of a Seven Stones tradition here 400 points each uh, I think that's about right isn't it uh, uh, including all the different upgrades beautifully painted um, double dragon here we've got a lovely uh, turquoisey blue one flying over some ruins and a red one with some uh, dead elves on the base absolutely glorious and the objective markers they've made are absolutely fantastic as well there's uh, the seven palantir uh, sized uh, objects with with little shields to denote which stones they are so we've got one with the Minas Tirith and one with uh, an uh, Urukai shield as well beautifully uh, crafted uh, little um, palantirs on uh, on little pedestals as well fantastic stuff and uh, and the dragons themselves are absolutely beautiful as well head over this way and we've got uh, the champions of Erebor storming out of uh, of uh, of Erebor uh, alongside Dane and everyone glorious looking stuff and if I move to the next table along, we, what have we got? We've got the Watcher in the Water, the Balrog, and, uh, and the Cave Troll, of course. All the monster gribblies from uh, Moria as well, uh, beautifully done with some, uh, some nice candles and, and a little mock-up of Barlin's Tomb as well, just to make it extra super-duper thematic, which we love. Uh, and that, as I say, that's, all, that's what it's all about here. What else have we got? Over here we've got some Riders of Rohan and an army of Dragon Knights. That's brilliant, brilliant to see uh, something a little unusual like Dragon Knights over the top and just talking to myself yeah just talking to myself hi Damien game number five Lords of yes. Battle and of course the nine struggled once more didn't they Michael they did indeed yes we had to think hard about what we're gonna, how we're going to approach the game and we thought we'd try and go for the leader to get some victory points but in doing so we just got too close to the ranks of our enemy so they were able to drag us in and then it was a bit of a, a hard fought contest after that and we came out the wrong end we certainly did yeah and, and I, I suppose it's a, it's a three foot by four foot board so, and three foot across which means that we didn't have a lot of chance but uh, first uh, Nick and Sean um, you brought a lovely thematic army which has got far too many heroes um, for a usual competitive list. So just explain what, what, list, what list you've got there. Uh, so we are running a last alliance force. Uh, we have Gilgalad and Elrond leading three Kingsguard. Four Kingsguard. Four Kingsguard. I mean, and then we've got right. Elendil, Isildur and a captain of Numenor, Numenor yeah. leading three Numenorians. And none of these have got horses as well, which is, of course, sacrificing horses. some competitivity. No Competit- horses. No horses, no shields. Because I didn't see them in the film, did you? No, <laughs> that is true, and uh, and of course a lovely paint job as well. And um, you know, mo- in most sort of normal tournaments, that that would be a real struggle. But in se- in Seven Stones, where everyone's got ridiculous lists, h- how's it fared? It's been interesting. The first two games where numbers were really important, we played thirty plus models in both of them. Our first game was a mirror match where Elendil decided the heroic defence and got killed by Gilgalad spear supporting and rolling two sixes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, but generally, the, what, what do you think about this? This sort of the idea of this uh, this tournament, the theme and uh, and, and so on, that you're bringing the lists that maybe aren't competitive usually. I mean, I think it's brilliant, right? Because it's 
quite nice to go to a tournament. You see so many armies you'd never, ever get the chance to play against otherwise normally. And just the atmosphere is wonderful. It's so nice and relaxed. You don't feel penalised by taking something like two dragons mm. or four heroes who have no business in being in an 800-point list. Yeah. So I think it's probably my favourite event so far of the year. So. And in terms of how this game played out, as Michael mentioned, um, we, uh, we decided to Black Dark Gilgalad, but um, you... You, you quite cleverly did a call to heroic resolve which again is something you don't really see in games because it's not usually the uh, most common choice but it really worked out for you actually yeah that game relied on us rolling two dice rolls to win it the first one we failed it which was deciding that Gilgalad was the leader instead of Elendil with True. his fortified spirit and the second was when we marched up you were just within six of enough troops that the heroic move we won yes and uh, and I think there was a there's a particular combat Michael where we kind of put a lot of resources into it I think we spent two will um, to try and compel a Kingsguard away which failed another two will to compel the Kingsguard away which we did succeed and then the Ringwraith uh, three Ringwraiths including the Witch King one of which combated and one of which striked and they all lost three will of course and we fluffed it <laughs> we did indeed yes we were facing the captain who decided to shield on his Wisely. four dice, he rolled that six, and there we were thinking, ooh, we've got three Nascar, they've all charged in. Six, six dice. Six dice, surely. And we had a might point. Two might. Two, two might. On one, uh, two might on the Witch King, one might on the other guy. Yeah, and surely we must be able to get a five or a six. And we rolled them as two, and then another two, and then another two, and... Yeah. It was yeah. four highest, or was it three highest, I think, yeah, wasn't it? It was not, not, good, like that. not good, creaky moment. A creaky moment, and I suppose these sort of... These sort of uh, moments are they're, they're in every game, whether it's competitive or not. But actually, the, these sort of tournaments, I suppose, ah, it doesn't really matter. You know, we, we bought the nine; we knew we were going to lose it. Like you, you, you can go, oh, I'm moaning about losing this combat, uh, but I, we, we kind of knew we were going to lose the game anyway, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> well, we, we were in the same boat. We thought oh, we're probably going to lose if they try and run away from us. We're stuffed. We need to just march forwards, and the two elven heroes just resolve, and then. The following turn, the next one resolves as the other one runs up to try and catch up with the rest mm. of the army and just hope to God we can get Alendo in where his free heroic combats can start chewing through your guys. Yeah, and, and it's worth noting that there was a big Osgiliath terrain, lovely board of, of Osgiliath terrain as well, which would have blocked line of sight and made it awkward for us to move around and things like that. But a great game, guys, and a lovely army. And uh, Like we say, it's great that you've, you've fit, fit all these four massive heroes into a list that, like you say, they probably don't really deserve to be in. No, absolutely not. And to be honest, hopefully we're planning on coming back next year as well. We had a fantastic day today, fantastic game against you, against the pair of you. And um, all I want to say is for next year, for our list, watch this space. So with that, we come to the final game of the tournament. And with, with Michael sneaking off to uh, tidy up some of the terrain because he'd been an absolute champion and brought most, I think, by about 75% of the uh, wonderful, wonderful terrain to the tournament. So thank you very much uh, to uh, Michael, uh, to you for, for not just being my partner for the weekend, but also uh, for providing most of the, um, most of the fantastic terrain uh, for that. So uh, Michael departed during the end of the last game so that we could all get off in time to start packing things up uh, but that left me to have a chat about the final game uh, still wearing my robes I must add still sweating buckets uh, to have a chat with Tom and Vincent about our final game um, it was Thrain was the leader we asked for permission just to swap the heroic tears around from Thrain being Valor to Legend so that he could take control because he was a king because he was the king of the dwarves at the time uh, and then it was 10 grim hammers 
uh, Grimhammer captain leading nine Grimhammers, Dane and eight Iron Hills on foot. Dane was on foot, I mean. And then there was a Iron Hills captain with seven Iron Hills. And what did you when you saw the Nazgul on the other side of the table? What what sort of ideas did you have? Did you have any sort of plan of action? No idea. <laughs> Panic was yeah, action. panic. That's about it. Because <laughs> because they're, they're an imposing thing, and there's a lot of magic that happens, of course. But actually, when when you start realizing the their potential, there they're really not not very good at all. <laughs> what, what what did you think? So once once the game actually got underway, what what did you think to the the, the army? I, I think the army. It, it's great fun, you know. But, uh, the option of chasing you around, which we started doing, very quickly became. No, we can't do that anymore. So let's just stand on five objectives and let you come to us. Yeah. Which which sounds boring, but it 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 was all we could do. Other because we weren't going to catch you around the board, so it was just no no point in chasing you. I have to say, you know, the 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 whole uh, the first couple of turns with the uh, with with the change of the hero status. We were we didn't ask about this. We didn't look at an army list. So we just assumed that Dane was going to be the the head, uh, and we were aiming to get that one point by black darting him extensively. Uh, and then and you you, un, you pulled the rug out from under us by saying, well, actually, he's not the leader. You, you got you got us you got us there. We spent what about eight eight will or ten will or something like that black yes. darting Dane to, uh, and then. To get no VPs from it, so well, well played, well played, guys. That was that was a tricksy, tricksy move, but it was it was good fun. Then eventually, you know, we we managed to get the black dart on Thrain as well. But and the the whole the, the tactics that you need to develop in an army against a new or sorry, I say a new army, a different army like the Nazgul, and um, it, it makes for really interesting games. Do you think? Yes, yes. Because um, obviously you're used to playing the larger armies. It's like right, okay, who do we focus on first? But when it's nine. Ring wraiths that have all got the same sort of threat level. It's like, ah, we can't really separate this and focus on one and worry about the rest later. And and even things like throwing axes, they didn't really do much for you. No, they would have been much better if my rolls weren't so bad. <laughs> but but it, it, they, 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 I guess the, it was it was a it was a fun matchup and and yeah you yeah you took the win. It was a twelve four win in the end because of the extra uh, extra two objectives that gave provide an extra few points but and it, it, it was just such an interesting uh, match because there was this whole thing of ring raids kiting around and then they did lots of heroic combats and actually Michael and I's strategy that we'd come up with at the start of the tournament finally worked because we did the heroic combats to save the will and actually ended up almost breaking a, a how many models strong army 30 something 30, model 39 dwarves so so we got something like 18 I think in the end which was really well well done for that's two ring two two guys per ring wraith. But either way, have you enjoyed the tournament uh, as a as an experience? It's been an absolutely fantastic weekend. I'm definitely going to try and come again, and I'd recommend it to anyone. Yeah, and, and is this your first one? This is my first one, and only my seventh fit, seventh game seventh game ever. <laughs> oh right, so you, you're really new to the game? Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and this was it? Were baptism of fire? Was it? Or oh, you... most definitely, I didn't have a clue what was going on. <laughs> oh, right. okay, but, but I hope you I hope you enjoyed the the experience of everyone dressed up and doing silly things. I, I did enjoy every second of it. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I'm glad to. Now, very as much the, the tournament game, guys. drew Brilliant. to a close, there was only a few things left after the massive raffle to end all raffles, in which I won quite a few prizes. Actually, I was I, I always uh, put a put a big old chunk of cash in to help support the uh, the guys who organise tournaments. So uh, I managed to come away with way way more uh, in terms of the monetary value of said prizes than I put in, which is absolutely fantastic. So uh, awesome, awesome stuff. I love the raffles. Uh, there's a, I get a real kick out of it. And I got a Hobbit um, movie guide, which I've not got before. So that, that was really good. Uh, and a few toy soldiers as well. 
including a brand new Hobbit hole, which hasn't even been released yet. So uh, that was exciting. They'd picked up from Warhammer Fest. So I'll be building that and uh, putting some pictures up on the Facebook page very soon, I, I assume. Uh, so keep an eye out for that if you're on the uh, Facebook page. And if you are not, have a look for it. Uh, Entmoot Podcast. Uh, search that on Facebook and uh, and so on, and you can find it there. Um but anyway, on back to the awards, which of course are fantastic. Uh, there's a lot of uh, sort of extra thank yous and things like that, uh, as well as announcements for the SBG magazine. And if you have never encountered the SBG magazine, this is uh, the reason that Tom and Damien uh, arranged this tournament is purely to help fund the SBG magazine, which is an amazing read. Um, it's 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 basically uh, the single best resource I think that you can have if you enjoy uh, the strategy battle game. Uh, it's it's got all the old white dwarf style battle reps and painting tutorials and uh, think pieces and everything else that you'd possibly want. Um, you know, uh, Games Workshop produces stuff in the white dwarf, which is great. Uh, you know, they have their Twitch stream and there are other people like the Green Dragon, the Zorbazorp, and uh, Top Table Gaming and the Hobbits of Cheshire and so many other people out there producing content for the game. But I genuinely think this is the best one because it is a printed physical magazine that you can keep and you can look through and there's some gorgeous photos and uh, stuff like that so uh, that's the reason the tournament exists uh, so I'm getting a little diverted again but uh, that's the reason the raffle's there and the tournament is there so I'm really happy to support them so uh, do go and find the SPG magazine just search for it in the Great British Hobbit League Facebook page uh, and you'll be able to find someone um, uh, if you want to grab a few copies of those no matter where you are in the world so I'd highly recommend that but uh, on to the, uh, the talks afterwards about those uh, the magazine and uh, about uh, the various other things that they've got planned, including um, uh, including the another magazine, uh, the uh, Aldicon this year, which is going to be very exciting. Um, but I just thought I'd share you with these sounds because it just shows the variety of excitement and emotions that goes on at the end of Seven Stones, like this. <laughs> this. This. Yay! And this. <laughs> These wonderful sounds uh, of the end of a tournament. But uh, with that, uh, it's only right to declare some people winners. So, the best costume award uh, went to, uh, we mentioned them earlier, the Balrog and the, uh, the Watcher in the Water. Fantastic costumes. Uh, the, Bal the Balrog had a, a, a face that was made out of card in the kind of origami-style face, as well as a big old orange rope, uh, which was the whip and things like that. And this was Steve Keen and Tom Pickard, by the way. And uh, the Watcher in the Water, as I mentioned earlier, uh, every he had a, a, a leotard, a kind of green leotard, with green tentacles and a knitted um, woolen kind of hat, um, which was like uh, had tentacles dangling from it as well and as I mentioned earlier he took off a tentacle every time someone wounded the watcher which was just it was fantastic not only was it a great effort and must have been incredibly uncomfortable to wear for the entire weekend uh, but there was there was extra theme and thought which went into it so well deserved uh, costume award there uh, in terms of other things that were happening, uh, the in terms of the actual gaming side of things, uh, there was actually a winner, a crown, uh, someone was crowned winner. Um, a big shout out to Scott and Harry Johnson, though, uh, 
who came second narrowly uh, in the knockout draw. Um, if you don't know, that's a father and son duo, uh, Scott and Harry, um, who I, I've, I think I interviewed Scott in one of the previous podcasts. Uh, he comes down with his son to loads of different events and uh, they're a great, uh, great pair. And it's great to see. Um, I think Scott uh, will be first to admit that it's Harry lifting, uh, lifting him to the echelons of the higher echelons of the tournament these days. Harry is coming on. Uh, you know, he, he's been around for a couple of years now in the scene, uh, still very young, but um, a very capable player. So well done to both of you who uh, came second in the tournament, uh, but also well done to Will, uh, uh, Will Champion and Edward Ball, who uh, managed to storm to victory at the top with uh, a fantastic force um, of Dragon Knights. I mentioned them in the tour around earlier. Dragon Knights and um, and I think there was uh, Kamul and an Easterling war priest on a horse um, and a cataphract with a drum and a horn, I think it was. Uh, so really interesting uh, mix of stuff there, but also um, uh, something completely different and that you might not see usually, which was lovely to see on the tabletops. Um, and Ed and Will are a fearsome, fearsome uh, duo in terms of uh, gameplay, both of them regularly uh, coming at the tops of tournaments. Um, in fact, uh, we heard from Ed Ball in the second or third episode, I forget which one now, uh, the second episode, he won that one and became uh, the uh, UK SBG uh, Masters champion going off to Wilderconso. Ed uh, takes another victory to him uh, in the league. But the main award this... Oh, uh, and I can't really uh, forget myself, because why not? Um, Michael and I uh, managed to secure the most honourable team... Um, uh, prize, which uh, still came over with these lovely uh, Palantir trophies, which were are, are absolutely fantastic. They're um, perfectly black glass orbs of uh, things with the carvings in them saying most honourable team at seven stones and uh, you know we were actually really incredibly shocked by this I think um, some people said oh of course you did you bought the ring raids and you know all this sort of stuff um, uh, but actually someone came to us afterwards saying you know getting most honourable votes or favourite game votes or whatever you want to call them um, with the ring raids they thought oh that must be really difficult because ring raids are a frustrating army to play against but to be fair uh, Michael and I we just had a great time with it and we weren't playing to win or anything so uh, it it means a lot that, that you know people enjoyed the games uh, we assume uh, against us so uh, because we enjoyed absolutely everyone so we managed to come away with one of the prizes as well uh, which yeah I'm, I thought I have to mention really uh, I can't interview myself uh, about it but I give it give us a plug anyway um, but then finally the actual winners of the tournament uh, well well deserved this was um, taking into account theme um, uh, the effort put in and uh, the community involvement in games and the painting and everything else um, these guys did an amazing job and I mentioned them earlier, I spoke to Barney earlier um, this was the pirate duo themselves, this was Dan Hookvale and Barney Menzies uh, and I did manage to catch them just briefly at the end of the tournament but uh, the card on the uh, microphone was uh, became full after a while so this does end in an unusual way but here we go, let's have a quick chat with the winners of the Seven Stones after a, a, a wonderful and um, lengthy award ceremony, including raffles and, and prizes for um, the best costumes and the best, most honourable people, which is apparently me and Michael, which is fantastic. Not surprising. Not, well, but uh, the actual winners of the event, which takes into account painting and theme and costumes and um, your conduct in games, uh, it's Dan. Stu- stupidity. Stupidity. And, uh, Dan and Barney, uh, the, if you haven't seen these pictures, uh, then please do look at the GBHL um, uh, Facebook page where. There are oodles of pictures of your um, various different pirates that every single one is um, painted and 
converted and then you had everything else. Just to explain a little bit about what you undertook and how long it took as well. Uh, so the, the army that we ended up playing was uh, sort of the idea was that we were doing the scene where the three hunters and the army of the dead get the pirate ships and kill all the corsairs except rather than killing all the corsairs they just got into costume and sort of stole a pirate ship convinced them that they were in charge um so yeah we just had a lot of fun messing about with that idea skeletons in outfits and aragorn dressed as a pirate and things like that so it's, it's been a lot of fun then we built a ship and dan's done some insane converting on a cave troll to make it look short and stubby and yeah it's just been nonsense really i think i've spent about a month and a half doing bits it's been great and and the painting is absolutely outstanding is that a combined effort from both of you majority is but i mean barney has done most of the work for it i can't say i've done a lot for it i've done my bits where i can um so you have dressed as a shrimp for the entire event so that's and you wore a a, a sort of blouse which made you look a little lost in powersy a a, a little piratey it was a collection of ladies clothes it's it's not being around the person carried a treasure chest around all day so that was that was it was good fun though and you heard across the uh the the room uh, various shouts of release the kraken and things about uh, guys with Freddo shields being killed and Freddo's raining down upon oh, people. Oh yeah, people getting treasure from our treasure chest, lots of chocolate coins given out, lots of Freddo's given out for bounties and things like that, so that was really good fun. And, and obviously this event, I mean, throughout the podcast we've been talking about, um, with various different people, about the theme and, and armies and I, I guess most of us, uh, you guys are, are frequent the top tables in the competitive scenes as well. Is it is it nice to let, let your hair down or well, get, get into something silly to play these kinds of things? I mean, it's, it's a chance to but yeah but let your hair down and just play with the toy soldiers you want to play with like I don't care about it like as soon as day two you lose a game if it doesn't matter anymore you can just roll dice do silly things you wouldn't normally do if you were looking to you know play more competitively and things like that and it allows you just to try stuff as well like you can you can learn new things for models that you didn't know could do it and which you, if you don't put yourself in a situation where it can do that that mm. it's just crazy but it's the camaraderie and sportsmanship I mean that is the one thing we know most of the guys here at events and stuff like that but even the new people you play you, I, I can't think I've been to three seven stones now and I've not had a bad game mm. once and I, my, well, the point you said about the, the new models are trying something new where Michael and I have played with the, the Nazgul and although we've obviously there's been loads of ring raiders in history but not nine in one go which has just led to so many different unusual circumstances I guess those sort of unusual circumstances is what makes this a fun tournament yeah so I think the the one thing that we found out was that the watcher in the water actually is pretty good we thought it was just going to be really really awful and apart from the turns where he got absolutely murdered by a lot of dwarves it was really fun the last game Um, but yeah no it's it's really nice and being able to have an excuse have an excuse to actually hobby a lot more and put effort into because I would have no reason to paint pirates with no upgrades but for this tournament I have an excuse to make some pirates with upgrades I have an excuse to do some really stupid conversions and that's great as well as being able to just play I, I think it's, it's the same thing for normal tournaments in that you you paint an army to build that arm, that army in a competitive even if it's a competitive list and sometimes you take you'll there'll be stuff sat in the cupboard that are dusty uh, that you love because it's a specific model or whatever but actually never sees the light of day because it's not a competitive thing but that's like I've had eight ring wraiths in uh, mounted sat in boxes for years and it's great to get those things painted as well which is what this tournament allows 
I did tell you it would cut off uh, pretty short there, uh, but either way, well done to you, Dan, and you, Barney, uh, for winning the tournament and, and just creating an amazing piece of artwork in that pirate ship with all of the Corsairs converted uh, to look absolutely fantastic. So uh, great work there. And that uh, pretty much brings the episode to a close. Uh, episode four, uh, we've got another one coming up very soon. Um, uh, literally, I think two weeks, I'll be heading off to a tournament, uh, the Battle of Unnumbered Tears, uh, which is another uh, um, back to the kind of usual podcast. Uh, so I'm going to come up with some brand new armies for it, though. So uh, watch this space rather than bringing out Sauron or anything that I've used before. I'm uh, going to be some brand new uh, uh, podcast material and army lists for you to uh, uh, get your ears around uh, next time. Quick reminder of the Riddle in the Dark, which went something a little like this. If you think you know who talks next in that clip and what they say, get in touch. Uh, Entmootpodcast at gmail.com is the only way to get in touch with me, really. Uh, do like me on Facebook and send me messages and things like that. Uh, just search for Entmoot Podcast as well. And that pretty much brings the episode to a close. Thanks to Tom and Damien for organising such a fantastic tournament. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. And, and, and may your dice ever roll sixes. Boo-ra-ra-ra.